what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. This week, we took 20 questions all about Andor to celebrate the end of season one, so let's just dive into it. Carlos Medina asks, what's our favorite thing about how Andor explored the rebellion? I think it's the the kind of X-Wing approach that I always loved from the X-Wing books of focusing on the normal people, the soldiers, and even I would say they do it deeper than the X-Wing books do, like really going into just the people who li- who live and work on Ferrix and their, their day-to-day, what that's like. I really loved getting into the very personal stories of everyone involved. Yeah, I was going to mention just being on Ferrix, seeing things on kind of a smaller scale was really nice. Um, and just being able to see the very, very first uh, parts of the rebellion being formed and like the Aldani job and the uprising on Ferrix, just being able to see the earliest signs of a rebellion forming was really cool to see. Right. Like we're still a ways off from the Death Star and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the idea that the movies focus on like, yeah, these really giant threats that need giant heroes to come in and save the day. But here we're just looking at and this is how they always pitched it. Like this is how a rebel is born. Someone like Cassie and this is uh, how a revolutionary is created. And so focusing on that and kind of just taking like three steps away from Luke Skywalker and the Death Star and being like, all right, how did we even get to that point? Uh, Just all of that was super interesting. Harrison Edgar asks, should we have seen more from Kanari in season one? That's an interesting question. It's something that when I kept going back to the original three episodes, I kind of even forgot about it. And then Marva brings up his sister in episode seven. So I was like, oh, okay, they're kind of prepping us to bring that back. So it's not a complete shock in the finale when they drop some reveal about his sister. Uh, And then they didn't at all. So yeah, I do kind of wish that they continued pulling on that thread. I don't think they're dropping it. I do think we're going to keep exploring that in season two. But just something, another little tease about it. I I wish we kind of got something about it. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like this is something that just Star Wars fans in general expect an explanation for every little thing. So for a while, I was expecting that we would go back there and find out more, but I'm okay that we didn't. Um, I do wish that we found out what happened to Andor's sister because that's right. how the whole thing kind of started. So I'm curious to see if we see more of Kanari in season two and find out more about his sister. I would say that is what my focus is as well. I don't know that we're going to learn like what happened on Kanari, but what happened to his sister, I am curious about because just again, the fact that Marva brought it back up and even though she was like, your sister's dead, leave it alone. It seemed like a reminder to the audience that she's not. But at this moment, I just see it as, you know, this tragedy that Cassian kind of went on this little rebellion on his own uh, in the Republic slash Separatist ship, and then he wound up being taken away from his family. And then he gets taken away from Marva by Luthen, and like all of these things just keep happening. Or when, when he rebels against the clone troopers, he's taken away from his family. Then it's just this cycle of rebellion and then loss for Cassian. 
Cindy asks how much time we think passed in season one. Yeah, I don't think a ton did. Uh, I don't think it covered like the entire year from five to four BBY. I think the only kind of set in stone time we know about is he spent about a month on Niamos and then about a month in jail. Uh, that's when, when he gets there, the prisoners say like, it's been a weird month and then mm. he spends another month. So there's two, I would guess maybe one other month, maybe he's only on Aldani for a few days. Uh, he's only a few days out from the heist there. And that picks up right after the Ferrix arc, which picks up the day after Morlana. So I don't think a whole lot of time passed outside of the prison arc. Episode seven and eight, I guess. I was going to guess three months. I, I, I think that's fair. Harry Oomph asks, why is B2 so lovable and relatable? I mean, I, I genuinely do think it's because they treated him like a talking dog. He's he's similar to Doug, I think, in Aww. Up. Yeah. Isn't he? Like, just yeah. so Just so genuine and wants to be helpful and wants to love and be loved. Why... I find it interesting that they gave him a voice and he speaks basic mm -hmm. uh, so that the whole audience can understand exactly what he's saying and what he's feeling. And I think that's a big part of it is he says words instead of beeps. Uh, and yes, they do treat him like a pet dog, basically. He's got a little dog bed that he charges in. He's got that little stutter. That's really cute. Everything about him is completely endearing. Yeah. But I, I think that it's kind of like, you know, in the first example popping into my head is Independence Day <laughs> when they're in that tunnel and like thousands of people are dying, but also there's a dog in there and the entire <laughs> audience is like, somebody save that dog. And it, it survives. It's fine. Yeah. But that's just kind of human nature of like <laughs> animals are so innocent and I see b2 as like this little droid animal and he is innocent and pure and nothing bad should ever happen to him wizard walker asks did we want or expect more characters to die in the finale i did expect more characters to die after the way aldani went uh after the way the prison went the the prison wasn't a bloodbath but still it was that huge heartbreak of kino not being able to swim and yeah we still lost burnock and zal so I, I did think that we were going to lose more. Although justice for Zan won. I feel like not enough people are sad about Zan. Mm -hmm. And I was sad about Zan. Yeah. I I guess I did expect more people to die. Especially after all of the explosions that happened. Like there was a point when we were watching the finale and when Cyril is about to run out before the bomb goes off, I thought that was going to be the end of Cyril. I thought he was going to jump on the bomb to save... Deidre, which didn't happen. So I don't know. I'd, I'm glad no one else died, I guess. Yeah, I do not. I'm, I did not want anyone to go <laughs> at all. Because now that we're going to get this big time jump to season two, we'll be able to check in with all of these people and hopefully see that Bix is doing better and hopefully see that Brasso is still awesome and <laughs> and so on. Yeah. I think some people can get caught up in the idea that, you know, if nobody dies, then what's the point? I feel like Game of Thrones maybe trained people to just expect season finale means bloodbath, but that's just one 
potential consequence of someone's choices. And it is like, you know, the biggest consequence or sacrifice, but I still found it incredibly dramatic. I was terrified for everyone the whole time. Not to mention, you know, Ferrix got, just Ferrix citizens in general, a lot of people died. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just named characters. But the way I'm seeing it is, you know, everyone is safe for now. Uh, the B Squad, as someone called them on our live stream, Bix, Brasso, and B2 Emo, they're all safe. Wilman is safe. But that's just for now. <laughs> I'm still kind of like scared for them in season two. But at least I have some reprieve right now. They're safe. Elliot Finn asks, was Luthen questioning his own methods on Ferrix? I think so. Yeah, there's a moment where the camera keeps kind of cutting to him during Marva's speech. And I think in that moment, he's kind of realizing, like, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> like, maybe he's realizing that he should be going at this rebellion differently. And he shouldn't just be there to kill Cassian <laughs> because he's a loose end. Yeah, I am hopeful that something that he witnessed there, Marva, everyone on Ferrix, I hope that starts to shift him towards a better way of fighting this fight, where right now, yeah, he, he's very much about loose ends. He wants to keep everyone separated, and it's all about... I, I've brought up the chess game many times, but he's playing a game of chess with people's lives, and he's the king, and he cannot get captured... So he keeps everyone separated and no one knows what anyone else knows. But then he witnesses Ferrix and what happens there. And like Marva brought together a community mm -hmm. and he got to see what they did from afar. Like he just, he, he bounced out of there real fast and just watched, uh, which, which seems like a very Luthan thing to do. It's what he wanted, but then yeah, he is faced with, oh, these are the consequences of my actions. I did want people to push back against the Empire, and this is what I wanted to happen, and now there are a bunch of people dying down there. So I think witnessing it personally is maybe a wake-up call. Maybe not. We have to wait and see how he reacts to all of this. Well, he's been working so hard to stay this faceless, nameless member of the Rebellion, and it's like the, the, the Aldani job was done as kind of like a faceless act. But we see on Ferrix, everybody is like, they're front and center facing, literally facing the Empire, saying like, enough is enough. We're gonna, we're just gonna fight you and we're <laughs> not gonna be sneaky about it. Um, so I'm wondering if he realizes that he shouldn't be worrying so much about like his identity being found out, like, He's, he shouldn't be so much of a coward, to be honest. Like I mean, he, he should... admitted that he's a coward. Yeah, and that he should be more like Marva and like try to inspire people. Like, like you said, I don't know if that has officially clicked in his mind yet, but maybe Cassian will help him through that journey. Yeah, I, I think that he might see that people need a symbol to rally around, and that could wind up being Mon Mothma. It's also very much like RRR, <laughs> there's a scene where, I mean, there's one person who's fighting that revolution and it's kind of the way that Luthen fights using the enemies, the, the weapons of my enemy to fight them. Um, but then 
they witness one person who's just trying to save one little girl uh, and they sing this awesome song and like everyone is watching and then when they the the british <laughs> finally like whip him into the ground all of the the people there start to fight and it's exactly b2 emo getting thrown over and then everyone freaking out and fighting it's very similar i i don't know if there's a question about this probably not but there was a line that we got from Clem when we got that one little moment where Cassian's having a flashback talking to his his adoptive father and he says uh the man that knows everything is more blessed than cursed and i liked that line a lot when thinking about luthen because he thinks he's cursed mm. yeah and he's kind of like <laughs> the axis character who's kind of like he knows everything he knows what's going on in all these little parts and it's just another way to show how much better of a person Clem was than him because he's you know he knows that he's blessed i think that's a great connection to make that yeah luthan has this power he could bring all these dif different cells together i do think he was just starting to try to do that with krieger and saw but he can do it in a more meaningful way and that is how the rebel alliance starts in star wars rebels is mon mothma comes out publicly denounces the emperor and then says like hey i know you're all fighting out there meet up here and let's do this for real mm -hmm. and luthan could do that but it's going to be mon mothma ryan hammond asks did the death troopers live up to their hype do they ever not really in rogue <laughs> one i think they did yeah, I, I think they did in Rogue One. They they did some work on the Rebel troops, and it took uh, Chirrut and Baze, mostly Baze, like single-handedly wipes them out, but, you know, in a moment of awesomeness. Ever since then, they're more just a symbol of, like, oh, the Empire's not messing around, but then they just don't do much. They're a cool design. Mm -hmm. They look a little more badass because they're all black and they have cooler weapons. But honestly, like, we noticed that during the fight on Ferrix, the stormtroopers were as scary as they've ever been, kind of like what we saw with the TIE fighter earlier on in the season, the, the one TIE fighter being scary flying over Aldani. Mm -hmm. The stormtroopers were actually shooting and hitting people on Ferrix. A lot. <laughs> and they were like, oh, that was just rough. That's the most impactful, I feel like, blaster shots have ever been, just watching people getting thrown around. Yeah, stormtroopers exceeded their hype I, I feel like we should have maybe seen a death trooper in the mix doing something and then we only got the one that almost shoots cassian and then cassian just like jumps out and hits him mm -hmm. i was like oh all right that's that's about right about on par for <laughs> the way death troopers have been mm -hmm. mac lewis asks if dedra's near-death experience on ferrix will change her i'm gonna say yes but not for the better <laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, she did look shook, like officially shook after all that. And I I can't say that I expect her to change much. I think that if anything, she will double down. I mean, that's just what the Empire does is, oh, like these rebels are actually terrifying and they almost killed me. What should we do? Let's Let's be even worse than we were yesterday. Because that's really the only thing the Empire understands it, it it's the same 
in the uh, Obi-Wan series when he's talking to Anakin in the flashback and in the present day, it's just all Anakin knows to do is like keep hammering at the problem Mm -hmm. and just attack it harder. If I just attack it harder, then I will win. And so I I think that's probably where Dedra will head next. I expect her to go back to the ISB and talk about how savage the people of Ferrix were and how barbaric they Mm -hmm. were and how they almost, you know, tore apart in the streets. Which is all true, but yeah, but (laughs) But yeah, she's going to paint it. She's one to talk. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) He's just like letting out a constant fart. (laughs) Smells really bad. I'm sorry. Clutch Puppy asks if Dedra will face any consequences for Ferrix. We talked about this in the live stream a little bit, and I definitely think that's possible. I think she will still be in the ISB next time we see her, but she may have been knocked down a peg. I also think it's possible that she could point at Captain Tigo and be like, it's his fault all of this started. Mm. That That's the other kind of imperial thing to do is just be like, just keep passing the blame down the line yeah. until that person can't pass it any further. <laughs> Throw someone else under the bus. Uh, yeah, I think she'll still be there. But yeah, she might be having to do some side work for a bit or s- something. But I, I also made the joke that they need her because she's the only woman that they have and they need <laughs> her to be front and center on the, the pamphlet. Right. Yeah, I, I I could see her taking a slight demotion, but I also could see her being like, Here's a picture of this droid B2 emo. Captain Tigo attacked it. And everyone's like, yeah, arrest that man. (laughs) Even the Empire is like, boo, Captain Tigo, boo. Mm -hmm. Diabologist asks, where will Cyril and Dedra's story go? So I think, I do think Cyril is into Dedra. I don't think Dedra is into Cyril. I do think she feels some gratitude for him saving her life. And I think she will get him a job in the Empire, in the ISB, you know, sent to just murdered one of her aides. So there's a job opening. That's what I think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll insert a picture here of, from our reaction when we thought Cyril and Dedra were maybe going to kiss, and we were not happy about it. Because <laughs> uh, I don't I don't like the, the possibility of a romance there. Um, but... Yeah, I I don't know where they're going to go with it. I think she's going to feel obligated to get him a job at the ISB after all of this. And like, who knows what kind of dynamic that will lead to. I I could see Cyril maybe dropping the crush once he gets that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He might still see a kindred spirit in her, but... I wonder if, you know, her getting him into the ISB and then he could rise through the ranks and he could become like a primary antagonist for her the same way Blevin was. I could kind of see him, you know, (laughs) being the poster child for the ISB. Mm -hmm. Damien Vonderhaar asks, are we happy that B2 Emo is with Brasso instead of Cassian? (sighs) Yes and no. I mean... I'm I'm just sad because B2 is sad, and he's like, I never got to see you. He just wants to hang out with Cassian. He misses Marva. Clem's not around. Cassian is his only, like, real family that he has left. Mm-hmm. But Brasso also treats B2 very well. So I'm not worried about him in that sense. Brasso will 
I'm sure have more slumber parties with B2 Emo just to keep him happy. <laughs> yeah, that it, that was devastating when Cassian came back and had that conversation with B2. And yeah, B2's known Cassian as long as Marva has, and he's just as much a part of that family. So I do wish that they could spend some time together, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And that's tragic. But... <laughs> Brasso's awesome. He did spend the night there with him, the night that after Marva passed away. So he gets points for that. Um, yeah, many more sleepovers to come between the two of yeah. them. I have nothing bad to say about Brasso. So I like B2 could do a whole lot worse. <laughs> Plus B2 could help Bix recover. I think That's that would true. be that would be helpful. I think I think you're right. Audrey asks, where do we think the Ferrix crew and Luthen will go in season two? I have no idea about the Ferrix crew. I assume by the time we get to season two, a year will have passed. Like that Tony Gilroy has already said that. So I kind of feel like Cassian will have found them by then, I hope. But maybe that is how it starts. Maybe it's been a year and then Cassian come finally is able to catch up with them. And then we could kind of see what he's been up to through their eyes. Yeah, it's crazy to think about what Ferrix is going to be like and look like after the time jump. Like, is anyone still going to be there? Like, yeah. did Brasso have family there? Is he ever going to go back? Like, are they going to just be on the run for the foreseeable future? Um, I don't know where they will end up. They're, they were headed to some kind of moon, uh, which I guess is like a, just a safe spot to go at the time. But I really want to see someone go to Yavin 4. Uh, uh, that's going to happen uh, eventually. I don't know if Luthen is going to do that. I think we're going to build to Yavin. But yeah, I think I don't think the Ferrix crew is done in this story. I think we will catch back up with them. Luthen, yeah, it, it kind of builds off of what we talked about. Is he reconsidering some things? I kind of think he's going to still have the same M.O., I think he is not going to have changed a whole lot. Maybe he will over the course of the season. But thinking to how we met Cassian Andor and how he shot Tivik in the back, that's a Luthen move. So I kind of think that Luthen is going to mentor Cassian and not in the best way for the first few episodes. Do you think Luthen's going to go back to his shop? I think so. Keep, I don't keep see his day job. Yeah. And his wig. I think that's still important. And I want to see the, the season two Easter eggs they fill that place with. <laughs> yeah. Elliot Finn asks, why is Mon Mothma still going through with the Lita introduction? So we the only two scenes we got of Mon Mothma in the finale were the Lita introduction. But before that, the thing of her throwing Perrin under the bus. Mm -hmm. And everyone feels like, oh, they're setting up Perrin to take the fall, and that's great. I think it could work. I think that maybe Mon Mothma knows that's just a temporary fix. I think she's trying to buy herself some time mm -hmm. by filling Cloris's head with lies. But, you know, if they dig into that, they will probably see that, oh, no, like Perrin's not taking out massive amounts of money to go gambling. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think she went through with this because she knows she needs to keep stringing Lita and Perrin along as, lo as long as she can so that she can keep getting more involved as like for her role in the rebellion. And 
the Lita thing is is really hard to see, but it sounds like she's really into traditional stuff, and she might have even been into the idea of being introduced to this family and going through with the, the you know, arranged marriage, and Mon Mothma might be saying, like, okay, we'll do this for now, hopefully, if I can just get this rebellion to work out, yeah. I can make a better future for my daughter. Right. And, and not to mention, you know, $400,000, like, they fixed that, maybe, but she might need more in the future. So it's not really just about the the one debt she's trying to wipe away. It probably is about the future as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm still like, okay, it's just an introduction. It's not a marriage proposal. It's a step in the wrong direction, but I do hope that they pull back from that in the end. <laughs> yeah. Brandon Madigan asks, when do we think the post-credits scene takes place? I think it probably takes place around... 5 BBY, same time as the finale. Yeah, I think so too, because by the time we get to Rogue One, uh, everything's pretty much ready to go. They're putting the dish in, so right now the dish is being built, and we finally got to see what those pieces are for that they were building in the prison. Uh, So yeah, I think it's right around the same time. Yeah, I I think it lines up with the timeline as well that, yeah, Galen Erso is back and he's working on the super laser, but still, it makes sense that we're 14 years away from, I mean, even more than that, because they started building it before the end of the Clone Wars. But basically, they got the structure done. All they needed was the super laser. And so the fact that that's what they are building, they're trying to get that working, that makes sense. So that's just the last piece of the puzzle. Garth McMurray asks, should they have saved the Death Star reveal for season two? Nah, I think if if this show is gonna do a post credit scene, uh, I, I think that this was the right move. I'm glad they didn't hint it like some major character, like Orson Krennic is on the Death Star and he's hearing about Cassie and Andor for the first time. Mm-hmm. The Death Star is just a fun little thing. It's like, we all know it's out there. Okay, we did get confirmation of what they were building in the prison, even though I was like, we're never gonna find out. Like, I liked seeing that. So I think that that was the right move. Just a tease that isn't really a tease because it's yeah. it's not affecting the story, really. Yeah, it's like showing that Obi-Wan still lives on Tatooine. Like, we know that. <laughs> yeah. He's there. Sure. It's up. Th- we know the Death Star's up there. It's, I don't think saving it for season two would have been any better than showing it in season mm-hmm. one. Because Cassian doesn't even learn about it until the beginning of Rogue One with Tivik. Yeah. He might hear whispers of something. The Empire's working on something, but he won't know what. Eli HS asks, does showing the Death Star introduce a small universe problem? Kind of the way that, you know, like, oh, everyone in Star Wars knows one another, and now we see that Cassian and Melshi both worked on the Death Star, sort of. No, that does not bug me at all. No, I I like the idea that the Empire is having these prisoners who are essentially just going to be in prison for the rest of their lives, probably going to die there. It makes sense that they're going to have those people basically doing slave labor for them to build this atrocity, (laughs) this planet killer. Slave labor has always been involved in the Death Star's creation back from the Legends days, and I I think that this shows just one little thing. 
We saw one prison and what that one prison was making. There were six other prisons on Narkina 5. Maybe they were making that exact same thing. Maybe not. But I bet, you know, when they are splitting people up on Niamos, they ask, what's your home world? And he tells them, and they go, all right, you're going over here. What's your home world? And they tell him, all right, you're going to Belsavis. I'm sure that if an alien walked up, if a Wookiee walked up and like, what's your home world? As if they didn't know. And he's like, Kashyyyk. And then they would send them to do something bigger, probably. Mm -hmm. So I I bet there are prisons all over the galaxy of people forced to make like just this one thing over and over and over that the Death Star needs. Kyle Barrett asks, is one more season of Andor enough? (sighs) I think it will be. I think in the end, we will all feel happy. Well, to put it in Andor's terms, we'll feel fat and satisfied. I think we will feel well fed. Right now, I am sad that it's just one more season. I respect all the creators' decisions and and why, because it would just be so much of their life. But selfishly, I would have loved to do actually one year per season. Yeah, I feel like... I know the original plan was five seasons, and then they made it to... I think three seasons would have really been the sweet spot to give us more... Mon Mothma stuff, more stuff in the Senate, maybe introduce the Organas and throw a little Leia in there. Why not? Uh, but yeah, I, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I I probably will wish that we got more by the end. I, I am afraid it's gonna feel fast. I like the very deliberate, meticulous storytelling of season one, and I think we're still gonna get that. But I'm afraid that they're going to like really zip through some of these story beats. Like with Mothma and Lita, it's like, I feel like we were just getting Mothma's story off the ground. It's only just beginning. But in like six episodes, she's going to have to make a speech about the Gormans <laughs> and take control of the Rebel Alliance. So I just, I, I worry that it's not going to feel as nuanced as season one did, but that's all right. Razzler asks, will Bail Organa be in season two? I think he has to be. I mean, I'm not going to be like upset if he's not, but just knowing how close Mothma and Bail were in the books and the comics in Rogue One, even like she knows that he has a Jedi friend. They talk. So I think that season two is going to get more and more connected with familiar stuff. And I think Bail Organa will be one of those things. Yeah, I really hope so. And, you know, I don't know how much, how big of a part that he'll have in season two, but Nerdy Knightley brought it up on our live stream, like, bring both of the Organas in, because Brea Organa Organa was excellent in the Kenobi show. So I would love to see both of them, but I... I I feel like Mon could really use another mother to talk to about, your daughter sounds great, Brea. What's your secret? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's almost 100% that we'll see him in season two. I would be shocked if it didn't happen. I said the same thing about this season, though, so. <laughs> Mr. J.D. Rice asks, will season two retcon the Cassian and K2SO comic? Probably. <laughs> I can't decide right now. I, I do not think Tony Gilroy is going to strictly hold himself to a comic that you know, they didn't ever know they were going to tell this story, and they just thought, this would be a good comic. 
But the way that he has treated things like Fest, the fact that they addressed Fest as not Cassian's homeworld, it's actually like uh, propaganda. Is that the right word? It's just lies, falsified information. Mm -hmm. That's such a good way to retcon something. So I think that they will probably tell a new version of the story, but they will find ways to acknowledge what came before, even if it just takes place on the same planet. And that's it. Like, some little reference to it, but ultimately I am preparing myself for a full-on retcon, and that's honestly okay with me. Uh, I, I didn't think that comic was all that great, <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay with getting a bigger, bolder version of this story. When did the comic come out? 2016 or 17. It was around the time of the movie, of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I wouldn't be at all surprised if it completely retcons what the comics did. They might find a way to to pull in a thing or two. I didn't read that comics specifically, so I probably won't be that upset. Um, and that's true of most <laughs> Star Wars fans. Most people yeah. who are going to watch Andor Season 2 have no idea this comic exists. So I, I am sure they're taking that into consideration. I would go into Season 2 just expecting it to be different. That's what I'm thinking. And then if they make it even a little similar, if it's on the same planet, if some of the other char characters are involved, then amazing. Like, it's nice of you to acknowledge that for the uber nerds. And I'm sure we're still going to discuss, well, what does this mean? And like, let's let's talk our feelings out. But most people watching Andor are just going to be like, hey, that's how Cassian met K2SO. And there's no other version of that story. Mm hmm. Lastly, Rainman MP asks, what the biggest thing we hope season two improves over season one? I wouldn't mind just a slightly better balance between visiting every character every episode. Yeah, I, I want to see, obviously I want to see more Mon Mothma. I want to see her go places. Should we see her in the Senate? We see her at Luthen's shop. Otherwise, we only see her in the car or in her apartment. So I would love to see her get out uh, and, and go somewhere else, get away from Perrin <laughs> and Lita for a bit. Um, and then I want to see the same for Saw. I want to see Saw be able to do something cool mm -hmm. instead of just be paranoid in some cave. Because we saw that in Rogue One. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I think this is... I would like to see Cassian interact with more characters like he hasn't met Mon Mothma yet I'm sure he will getting him to work with Saw Guerrero would be great Tivik mentioned Saw in Rogue One in their first scene and it's not like Cassian said who he mm -hmm. know well okay that might not work <laughs> because he kind of needed Jin to get him in the front door but maybe that's because Saw Guerrero hates Cassian Andor because maybe Cassian did something to him before but He's hanging out with Luthen, so Saw might be done with Luthen's right. BS. But still, to your point, I think it would be great to see Saw Gerrera actually like, launch an attack mm -hmm. and show how uh, terrible he can be. <laughs> yeah, have him do something ruthless. Yeah. And, cause I, it's interesting that we hear other characters talk about Saw Gerrera and the Partisans and like, we know that they're well known for being extremists, but we've never seen any of that stuff aside from the Clone Wars. 
Mothma talking about how his militancy has caused a lot of problems for the rebellion. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see that something along the maybe not something as close to what they did in Rebel Rising, which was brutal, like probably too much for live action television, but something to just be like, oh, that's why he's a problem. Got it. We want to see him do something bad. We don't want to hear a dying children right. in our headphones agreed some some balance between those we two. can we can find that balance that's all the time for questions we have today if you want to leave a question for next week's video just put it in the comments below or sign up for patreon to join our weekly q a discussion if you haven't already please like this video subscribe to the channel follow us on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok and as always thanks for watching and may the force be with you